everyone. Welcome to the first Kids Say Trend Tracker podcast. Uh, I am Ryan Schofield, Vice President of Marketing at Kids Say, and I have my colleague on here. Terrence Burke, VP of Research, Kids Say. Yeah, and so we're excited. This is our first, this is our first go at this, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. Um, we hope that you get a lot out of it. And all the stuff we're talking about today is going to be straight out of our five to seven-year-olds trend tracker issue one from 2023. Uh, but we're going to talk about where some of these trends have come from and uh, where we see them going. Well, one of the things that, you know, if you're talking about kids five to seven and understanding how they go about being five to seven, right? Their be, they're being and becoming is what we like to talk about at Kids Say, right? The process of them being who they are now, but also where they're heading. And so if you want to know that, you got to know how their play patterns are. And, you know, that that play is that traditional kind of toy and backyard and being with their friends, but it's also the digital space. So what devices are they using? Whose devices are they using? How are they using them? You know, that's a key element of understanding who they are. And when you once you're there, then you got to understand what platforms they're at and, and the evolving nature of Roblox and how that's not just a play space, but it's an experience place and it's a shopping space and it's a information space. And and so we're going to talk all about that through the a the, you know through the lens of age and gender because those are you know, like the two key variables about understanding who kids are. And um, we're hoping that'll give you some insight into into these these kids. So let's start off with. Um device usage. Uh, in this report, we've got some interesting data points. Um, I'll start with the fact that 89% of kids, um, five to seven, uh, say they're using the smartphone now, which is massive. When you look at the kids over history, we didn't think they would have digital cameras of their own <laughs> back in the day. So Terrence, what what are your thoughts on that? Where do you see that going? So, you know, it, it's, you know, the the usage here in the five to seven is where the, the smartphone has caught up with the tablet as far as usage is concerned, not yet ownership, but like who, how much they have that. Because of these, of this age cohort, 36% of five to seven year olds tell us they have a phone, right? And so with kids this young, having a phone might mean, oh, is it mom and dad's and therefore I have access to it? Or is it my older brothers and I use it and therefore I have one? So we always double do a double check in our mom's tracker. We track moms um, as well as well as our our family report where dads get involved in that. I mean, moms are pretty much you know very close, as close as they've ever been to the kids in, as far as understanding this ownership. Because twenty eight percent of moms of five to seven year olds say that they have their own phone, right? The five to seven year olds have their own phone. So you know the one thing about that phone, even though you know they don't use it like a tween. And they don't use it like a teen. They're not like socially connected in that sense. They're really using it for games and for uh, short form digital content, TikTok, YouTube, et cetera. Um, so it, it's used in a little different way, but it just goes to reiterate the 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 trend, you know, that's been happening for 15 years, 20 years, right? Mobile, social mobile devices down at the five to seven year old. We're almost at complete saturation um, certainly we're at complete saturation pretty much with access to those devices. As far as having one is concerned, you know, there's the uh, there's the old when when tweens get it. It's really about uh, um, middle school years. It used to be high school years, right? Upper high school years. Then it became middle school years of, oh, when, when it was phone usage. Now it's like late elementary school. Now it's like the 11-year-old, 11, 12 space, right before they're going from primary school into kind of middle school. But once they have that mobile device at that age, 
then they're using it in a social way. Then they're, you know, um, connecting to their friends in a, in a conversational kind of way and sending memes and sending texts and doing all that kind of stuff. And once you get the, the you know, once they're there, they ain't coming back. You know, it's the old uh, uh, World War One expression. Uh, once they've seen uh, Paris, how are you going to keep them on the farm, right? Once once they've seen that, uh, what that expansiveness of that world can be, you're not going to get them back. Um, so while, you know, we're talking about this age group, they use the tablet more than they use the smartphone for the kind of things that, you know, companies might be in, uh, interested in. Um, as far as content, they prefer the tablet as far as that's concerned. But there's cachet to have in a phone as a five to seven year old. I feel older, right? I, oh, I'm growing up. It's almost a rite of passage kind of thing. And so, you know, for the 36% who have their own, you know, 71% of them uh, say they primarily use mom or dads. Of those who don't have their own, you know, 11% of them share with a sibling. They have one, right? Um, you know, this this is just kind of understanding that and understanding, therefore, how do you provide the kind of content and the kind of engagement that fits to that platform is really an essential part of getting to know a five to seven year old. Yeah, and that's super interesting because um, in, let me step back because you talked about how, um, you know, they move into more of a social use of that device later on. But yeah. some of the interesting data that we're we're seeing and we're hearing from both moms and the young kids is that they are using platforms like TikTok and Instagram. And some of that is with moms, some of that is on their own. So really in that younger age range, it's about content and entertainment. Yeah. Um, and not that it isn't when they get older, but that becomes more of that social dynamic of sharing right. the memes and, and uh, across friend groups rather than mom potentially just sharing the meme with the child that she thinks is funny and appropriate. Right. right. And, and so, and, you know, yeah, that's, that's illustrative of where they are developmentally, right. You know, um, partially cognitive in their ability to kind of manipulate and spell, spell their friend's name and spell whomever, or uh, type in the, the numbers in order to be able to send it is one aspect of it. But um, while, while friendship is really important at any age, you know, it's really um, starting in the late tweens and then into the young teens is where it becomes the prime, one of the primary definers of them understanding who they are. Um, and so that's where the social element becomes even more imp almost imperative, right? Uh, uh, an aspect. You know, one of the things that you said that reminded me of um, the aspirational element. Um, so, you know, kids at this age will say that they're they're using Instagram and and certainly some of them are, and we know they're using TikTok and definitely using YouTube, but they also know, particularly if they have older siblings, right? They hear the chatter about what's the cool thing and what, oh, what I'm doing. And again, I want to be older. I want to project up, right? I don't want to be seen as a baby or a kid anymore. So they hear these um, platforms and know that that's where they're heading. Of course, once they get to eight or nine or 10, those platforms might be passe, but the new one will be around. But they want to be a part of the conversation. They want to see uh, seem as they get it, right? They want to be kind of cool. It's, it's again, a marker of, all oh, right, I, I know what's going on. It reminds me of, you know, we asked the five to seven-year-olds about their, like, favorite video games. And we're, we, you know, we get Grand Theft Auto and we get Call of Duty. And we know most of those kids who say that are not necessarily playing that game, Right. But they know their older siblings are. They know that's the cool game. They know when when those games drop that, oh, that's the way the conversation is. And it's the conversation that I hear from the people that I aspire to be. 
And so, therefore, I say that that's my favorite game, even though I'm not playing Grand Theft Auto. Right. Yeah. And that that reminds me, uh, in this five to seven year old data, I did see some mentions of Apex Legends, which is interesting because I remember when that first came out and it was going to be uh, it was seen as potentially the next next game to come out and kind of take over the lead spot for Fortnite. And a lot of the kids uh, who are gamers and who were playing Fortnite at that time said it's too complicated. It wasn't accessible. And so now seeing five to seven year olds mention that maybe that's an aspirational uh, response or or mention from them. And so Terrace, talk about the preferred screens that we're hearing from kids and, and how they're consuming content and what screens they're consuming it on. Yeah, so you know the the proverbial eight hundred pound gorilla, or should I say, uh, eight thousand pixel uh, screen. The television is still the you know the a dominant force in their lives. I don't want to ever discount that. It it is the preferred screen for, um, you know, the kind of longer form video uh, shows, and it's in the background in their lives a lot. But one of the things you know, just over the last five years, we sh- we've seen a a shift into to like everyday use, the screen that kids say they use the most at this age, 40% of these five to seven year olds are saying the tablet or the phone, right? That mobile screen is the one that they're using. That That's a 38% change over five years ago, right? That's a huge monu- monumental shift on these kids saying, yeah, that's the one um, that, that I'm using. And it's really interesting in that um, the di- discrepancy between like after school and weekend, we still see some of the changes on there, particularly when it comes to the, the screen that's associated with whatever they're playing um, video games. It's like there's an allowance for, oh, now this time is yours. And so particularly with boys and, and you know, we see that kind of gamer culture and, and don't get me wrong, girls game. Girls are gamers, right? It's just not their raison d'etre, right? It's not the way their key definer of who they are. Where boys, it is, right? So they're gamers. And again, big generalization, right? Um, but we, we see that in the data, right? Kids tell us that. And um, it, we still see that weekend spike as far as the screen they're using is is the video game, whether that be the portable, like um, the Nintendo Switch, or or the television that is the the deliverer of their Xbox, their their PlayStation, whatever platform um, that they're using. We still see the bump there. We still see the gender split between um, boys and girls, but all that corresponding use of tablet, playing video games, et cetera, comes at the cost of watching TV passively. That's over the last five years, we've seen 36% drop in the amount of kids who say, that's the screen that I'm most using, particularly on the weekend. And again, I'm not discounting the fact that it's on in the background and it's an important screen and will always be, right, because of what it can deliver. But what the other screen delivers is much more easy for them to to access TikTok and access YouTube and walk around the house and and to do both screens at the same time, right, to have the TV on while they're on their tablet, while they're on their smartphone. And, you know, that's behavior that we first saw with teens Right. One of the cool things that Ryan, you know, you and I've been doing this a long time and, and watching kids and watching the 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 sometimes glaciers and sometimes waves. Right. Um, sweep down from the teen age years to the tween years and, and manifesting now in the five to seven year olds and what that might mean. And the way that five to seven year olds process that stuff in a different way, but it's still the same kind of glacier that's come along the that same uh, immutable force. And that's the one that, you know, is really 
dominant here in the five to seven year olds. We predicted it a long time ago, um, you know, giving people a heads up of, hey, you want to know where kids are heading? This is where they're heading. Well, they're there now. Right. And and, you know, they tell us they report it. So 73 percent of kids are saying their favorite screen to watch TV and movies on is the TV. And but they don't call it TV anymore. They call they're calling it things like episodes. They don't know what TV right. shows are. Yeah, yeah so much at this age because they are streaming and we've seen that sort of the cross of those uh those how they're consuming how they're getting that content whether it be from streaming services or youtube being another streaming service but being a very dominant one with this age range and then the other piece being um uh you know the the complete downslide of of cable and dvr and all those aspects and and of course blu-ray and dvd is like long gone right yeah yeah Uh, i mean that's a reflection you know typically mom and dad pay the bill all right so they're the one who are calling the shots on the streaming services but as you know you know you and i have been following about um and asking parents about so which of these services are you getting strictly really for your kids? Now, we know that there's hybrid, right? The, those streaming services realize now we've got to appeal to everyone. I mean, just this week we saw HBO, which had really, you know, had tried to, um, you know, it did actually muscle its way into the space with the acquisition, acquisition of Sesame Street a few years back, but really hadn't cultivated um, that kids market. Um, you know, we see them switch over to Max to be a more wide-ranging family kind of um, network with a whole bunch of shows and all the kind of platforms, discovery and all that that rolled into there. Um, and so we know that there's like a lot of hybrid in there, but we also see moms and dads telling us, no, we're buying platforms because we know our kids want it, right? And we know we're doing that because, A, we know that we want to be good parents. Uh, one of our one of our colleagues who we frequently work with, who works with you on the early trend alerts, Ali Pone, mm-hmm. um, kind of uh, turned me on to this concept uh, maybe a decade ago or more ago about about um, the three good moms, right? The first good mom, the way way you can be a really good mom is is to make your kid happy, right? So if I provide them the things that they enjoy, um, um, I'm a good mom. If I provide the things, second good way is if I provide the things that are good for them, right? That I know that I'm giving them a healthy diet and that healthy diet might be food, but it also might be content as well. So um, that's another way I'm a good mom, right? So streaming services particularly are one of those areas that um, create some ambivalence with parents because they want to provide the kind of places. And that's where the trusted, the Nickelodeons, the Disney's, where, oh, I know that on that platform, if I see that app and I've got, and my kids are tapping on that, I'm safe. I don't have to supervise them so much. I can to go on with my life and they'll have fun and I know they'll be safe. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's so true. Um, you know, from an anecdotal perspective, we see that we see that playing out a lot. And then we also see that playing out sometimes in mom's actual responses on our mom's five to seven survey. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where they're a little bit uh, guarded in, in that they want to be perceived as a good mom who, you know, is is guarding their guarding their child's uh, intake, me- media intake, so to speak. Um, on to the, uh, and to that same go, before you go, before yeah. you go on that. You know, we've got the, you know, you and I were, were in on, on our team meeting regarding the, the family report and right. focusing on where moms and dads are going to weigh in and focusing on what values and uh, the kind of rules and restrictions and 
what their expectations are. And, you know, we've, we've laid down a couple of those and it's really fascinating to see um, that, that notion of, yeah, I see this as a really enriched, uh, a rich place for my kid. And I see the value for me of them, them being both entertained and occupied sometimes, but I also have my, my concerns regarding this. And partially I feel overwhelmed. Like, is my kid not going to be involved in that? And the conversation we're having, not only in every household, but the conversation we're having as a society about where are those lines, right? Uh, was it Montana this week who who banned um, TikTok, right? Yes. And mm-hmm. and the talking, you know, I heard the senator from from Hawaii talking about uh, we need to have uh, a more comprehensive strategy, recognizing that this it's not it's not a classic. Uh, oh, that's an evil, and we're going to keep it away, and our kids. Right. And I don't know. I'm going into Elmo voice for the senator from from Hawaii, but. Um, <laughs> the fact that there is value in that and, and we want parents to have a say on that, but where legislatively should we draw lines? Cause we see the data that says there's mental, um, impact on mental health and anxiety, you know, that those conversations have to happen. You and I have seen for years that, that supposedly that 13 year old line about, you know, our, what we were talking about before about YouTube and, and, you know, Facebook before it and MySpace and all of those and, and kids not even registering that idea or like blowing right by and past that of like, yeah, that's on paper. We all know that's a false check mark. Right. Um, you know, and I have talked to companies all the time who said, no, we have those, these legal walls that we can't uh, cross. And they've been legitimately don't don't even want us to give them any data on kids younger than 13 in certain contexts. But we all know that those kids are at those space because kids have been telling us about that. And so kind of finding, you know, we're in, a, we're in an interesting space in this realm and how do we, you know, serve the kid, serve the family, serve society. That's an issue that I think the kind of data that, that we get and will enable legislators, will enable parents, will enable companies to understand here's where the reality is. Here's how we can create um, a positive kind of environment that kids are safe and fun and challenged and interested and parents feel that you know the values that they want to transmit they know that there are places that will uphold those values and they don't have to be worried about it yeah and, and um yeah creating those meaningful experiences for kids and parents that is not just blatantly marketing and sales messaging right. all right. the time you you can create value on these platforms um Without, without, uh, you know, uh, uh, pledging your allegiance to the beast, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so, you know, we, you know, we've talked about um, Malcolm Glad- Gladwell. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if it was in his book Outliers or wherever it is, but he he, he kind of popularized a, a study from a, a Swedish um, psychologist who talked about the ten thousand hour rule about uh, ten thousand hours of focused application from a talented individual. Um, is what creates expertise. And, and I kind of flip that on the, the 10,000 image rule and that these kids have seen so many authentic things, from, particularly maybe not as much on five to seven-year-olds, although in their own way, yes, but particularly in the teens and tweens where they've seen the things from their family and their friends and the memes and the messages, they know what's an authentic message to them and they know what's trying to sell them, right? And it's not necessarily conscious knowledge. It's a Oh, that's coming at me in in a way that doesn't feel authentic to me, or doesn't feel right to me, or doesn't feel like it's, um, you know, part of the 
the flow, the zeitgeist of this platform, and they'll sniff it out and know that it's fake and authentic. If you kind of approach them in a place that, hey, even with even if self-referential, knowing that, hey, yeah, we we're we do want you to come and watch and play and do wherever it is our business to do that, but we want to do it because we're in the process of helping you be and become. We know that having fun and playing and, and is part of the whole conversation and and you know talking about your friends and being involved with your friends and. And that's where like Roblox is, a, you know, a master of creating that that open space that creates the opportunity for uh, makers to provide spaces that kids can come together and make their own experiences. Right. And be together with their friends in a way that's, you know, feels really cool and authentic because they're defining the kind of experience. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And and. That Roblox is also a space where, um, again, kids and girls. So you talked about, you know, typically and as a generalization, girls are not necessarily the heavy gamers all the time. And um, that's console gaming, right? So if, if, right. If, we, if we do it that way, that's where it's big. Right. Yeah. And so looking at Roblox as it's a place where they are playing or, yeah. you know, quote unquote gaming um playing obbies or you know as, as they call obstacle courses um and things on there you know girls are definitely there interacting with friends and and uh, we're also hearing that in our especially in our older kids data that 35 percent of kids are meeting people online that they don't know in the real world and so that's super interesting when you look at it from the perspective of pro providing a place for them to be and become so the, the thing that I thought was really interesting in terms of the social platforms, and we talked about this nuance of parents, um, uh, you know, wanting the moms wanting to be guarding and be a good mom, but also not um, not not put their kid in harm's way, essentially. So and you see platforms like Zoomerang and Zigazoo. Uh, Zoomerang came to our attention because we were hearing anecdotally from kids that it was an alternative to that short form vid uh, vertical video that they wanted to create in TikTok, but mom didn't want them necessarily consuming yeah. TikTok content um, as a as just a general label. And so uh, Zoomerang became super interesting to me when I looked at the early trend alerts because I saw that it was something that was seen as safe, perceived as safe for whatever reason, although they do have a connected social community and um, fifty-two percent of five to seven-year-olds say they know about that. Um, yeah, that's, but it's, that was that was really cool, Ryan. You know, I know one of the, one of the things I rely on you and for is you know, but as you as the writer of that the early trend alert, but you're you do a great job of like looking through the dashboard and finding out those kind of nuggets. And so that was one that like I hadn't heard in the field. You know, I'm talking to kids all the time, but not necessarily always the the five to seven, you know, the teens in tween space. And I hadn't heard it and, you know, to hear it bubble up from the kids space and then throw it into the quantitative, you know, to the nationally uh, uh, balanced sample um, and being able to hear kids say that was like, that's an eye opener for me. And, you know, for us to be able to help, you know, probably the folks listening to this who are saying, I need to kind of be aware before the wave so I can start to make decisions. So I'm not catching it, uh, you know, on the tail end or, or having somebody else beat me there. And so. I really, I'm really interested in seeing where that one, where that one goes, where that one develops. I know, like two years ago, um, you know, in this space, it, it was, um, you know, the rumblings around Discord. Now, Discord had been around for a while, but it was traveling down to younger kids and and hearing that. So, 
Yeah, there's there's still room. You know, I know the, the feeling that, you know, there are Goliaths there and how can they be toppled? We've seen it time after time after time, right? We've seen we've seen people, uh, you know, platforms lose their their catch with kids because they feel unauthentic or they haven't been nimble enough. Um, and so kind of that it's that kind of information that the tracker gives us, you know, that from talking to kids all the time and being and hearing what they have to say that, um, you know, makes it really a valuable tool. Yeah. Yeah, it it does. And and to your point about me scouring through that bottom data, I did have the thought this morning, I'm probably the only person that woke up at 7 a.m., jumped on their computer and started scouring through literal raw responses <laughs> from, from kids in these surveys. And I'm looking and trying to dig and find what is the next thing that's up and coming. And um, so it becomes super interesting from that standpoint, just to see, one, how kids spell things and how they pronounce yeah. <laughs> But then, but then, secondly, um, you know, just just what what are, what's on their minds? Is it Fanta? Is it you know strawberries? We're seeing mentions of strawberries, and that's in our next ETA, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, it's just all over the map, right? And and uh, what is a Edgar haircut? You know, I didn't know. I have no clue what an Edgar haircut was, but I'm hearing a lot about that now. Well, um, for those of us who might be uh, this this. Uh podcast who are looking at the YouTube version, they would see that you don't know much about an Edgar haircut. <laughs> right. Yes. yes, I do not. So I thought it was super interesting. The other thing related to screens, because so much of the life does revolve around those screens, um, the, the differentiation between uh, YouTube as a favorite app and Roblox as a favorite app, uh, 31% yeah. for YouTube and 11% for Roblox. Um, but if you add in that YouTube kids variable where some of those uh, raw responses came back and they said YouTube yeah, yeah. kids and not YouTube as a brand, uh, you know, you have well over one third of kids are saying that's their favorite app. Um, what role and, and how important do you think it is for these companies to understand that, you know, in terms of where, how they're engaging kids and where they're engaging kids and and that's a presence on Roblox or YouTube or both or what yeah, do you think you know, about that? Yeah, it's yeah, and it's something we've been you know triumphing or tr uh, trumpeting for a long time regarding the need to be to have a presence there um, because it be it is kind of default search engine for kids, right? And that's what's really interesting. You know, you were talking to me before we came on air about. Um, hearing from kids that Roblox is is kind of being like what YouTube uh, morphed into, which is a place where I go first for information and about products and things. And and you know that you know a lot of folks who don't who aren't around kids all the time would be kind of shocked by that. You know they think of Roblox as a oh that's just some game that kids do. No, it's not. Right? It's it's kind of building itself into being just a. Um, a two-dimensional uh, experience of a three-dimensional uh, space where kids want to be. And so that means experiences. That means shopping. That means gameplay. That means socialization. That means uh, music, although five to seven, not necessarily, you know, one of their uh, driving forces. But when the, you know, the older, the older folks, um, uh, and by older folks, I'm talking about 11-year-olds, <laughs> you know, that's a, a space where they might want um, to head. And so, you know, kind of tracking that that space. It just it was H and M um, this week, and I think you highlighted in the early trend alerts, right? Um, launching a new line um, around a uh, Stranger Things experience and a and a clothing line that kids can go in and 
have their avatars with the cool uh, Stranger Things clothes and then go to HMM and get them themselves. You know, we've seen that in with Roblox and, and Barbie and um, Forever 21. Uh, which line? Forever 21. Yeah, Forever 21 had done um, things like that. You know, Vans might have been one of the earliest and best versions of of that kind of both play, both customization, both um, interaction and then real world ability to take what you had on that 2D screen and bring it into your 3D in your IRL in real in real life kind of um, experience. That's a really and that's something that is a differentiator between where where Roblox blows out what all YouTube could provide and create puts it in a whole nother realm that, right. you know, um, just, you know, just a year ago, just two years ago, we would not have seen, you know, YouTube would have been at 40% or 45%. I don't have the data in front of us. We, right. you know, any, anyone who's a subscriber can go back and look at some of that data would have been his favorite app and everyone else uh, would not have, nobody else would have cracked uh, double digits, but we see, you know, the growth of YouTube because of what it can provide uh, for kids. Yeah. Yeah. And and for, you know, for subscribers, there's a deeper dive of uh, data specifically about Roblox, the games that kids love to play in there. And then also the brands and the and the sort of the famous people or celebrities, um, which is, you know, celebrity is a sort of a generalized word at this point because of influencers and things like yeah, that. Yeah. But and, but and, there and was, I, yeah. before you go off on that, um. The, the the larger like step back on this time frame when asking about five to seven year olds their favorite app, um, certainly ten years ago, um, five years ago it would have ten years ago it would have been ten games on that list Subway Surfers and Angry Birds or whatever it made it it would have been ten games and then YouTube was the first one to crack that it was a non game right it was a content platform kids surprisingly defining it as social media you know. Uh, uh, you know, that was kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Although as they get older, they they kind of shifted into a different uh, realm. But you look at the top 10 apps and the only one that might even be close to be considered a game is Roblox. Everyone right. else is a streaming service. Disney, Disney Plus, YouTube, YouTube Kids, Netflix, PBS Kids, um, uh, TikTok, Instagram. It's like, what? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the value of social experience there is so meaningful um across all age ranges of course and so you know there's there's a lot of considerations that need to be made there for a brand that's going to um, make any kind of offering you know i think we would typically say and, and we've mentioned the forever 21s the the um the h and um bands i know nike's got a presence there there's yeah, yeah. of course a million different brands that have presence there but one of the things we've been telling people for years is <laughs> Go where the kids are. Yeah. Don't always try to start your own thing because if you yeah. go where the kids are, uh, then uh, you know you don't have to wait for them to come to you for one. But you're tying into their subconscious and their understanding of, hey, this brand actually gets me. And, and you know, it reminds me of. So we were we were tr uh, tracking these trends and advising the first Web 1.0, right where. Um, Club Penguin and other and and all these companies thought they had to build their own universe because at the time they had to because there was no platform that gave them this kind of uh, creator maker space in in it and that, that was a daunting task because then now you had to be a web expert and you had to have higher whole programming and and all that and that's not true anymore now 
you know, Roblox will, their liaisons will, will help you understand that universe and help you create that space and be a part of that process where you're not, you're now not a platform expert. You're just, oh, we know our brand. They know that part. How do we mix those two elements yeah. together in a way to be where kids are in a way that's relevant, that's fun, that's exciting, that speaks to who we are um, in a way that that's fun and engaging for kids. So I think it's time to wrap it up. I, uh, you know, I think that we did a good job. Yeah, that was just fun for the for, for our our uh, our first podcast. Breaking breaking the seal on this baby is fun. Making look making me look forward to number two. We right, going exactly. next. We going moms. Where are we going next? We'll figure that out. But this was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. So thanks for joining me, Terrence, uh, from New York to Kansas City. Virtual high fives on this one. And uh, you know. If anybody wants to understand more about what's going on five to seven-year-old kids, we have two issues of the five to seven-year-old kid trend tracker each year. Our actual next report, though, is, is the uh, eight to 15-year-olds. So we're looking at tweens and teens next in Q2 and where they're moving and where they're going. And I'm excited to see across, particularly, we didn't even get into the snack journey exploration that's in the five to seven-year-olds, but we're going to look at that across the spectrum of from five to sevens, all the way to those uh, 12 to 15 year olds, how they're buying their snacks, how they're discovering them, what they're actually eating, how frequently they're eating that same snack over and over. And um, I'm excited to look at that across the different age spectrums and uh, and also see if, you know, if we do see that gender element at play. Um, and so thank you all for joining and we hope you come back and subscribe you know, hit us up on the socials and tell us what questions would you like us to answer? Maybe we'll start taking questions or responding specifically to those questions and podcasts in the future. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.